Deuteronomy 27. Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today. It shall be on the day when you pass over the Jordan to the land which Yahweh your God gives you, that you shall set up yourself great stones and coat them with plaster. You shall write on them all the words of this law when you have passed over, that you may go into the land which Yahweh your God gives you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as Yahweh the God of your fathers has promised. It shall be that when you have crossed over the Jordan, that you shall set up these stones which I command you today on Mount Ebal, and you shall coat them with plaster. There you shall build an altar to Yahweh your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use any iron tool on them. You shall build Yahweh your God's altar of uncut stones. You shall offer burnt offerings on it to Yahweh your God. You shall sacrifice peace offerings and shall eat there. You shall rejoice before Yahweh your God. You shall write on the stones all the words of this law very plainly. Moses and the Levitical priests spoke to all Israel, saying, Be silent and listen, Israel. Today you have become the people of Yahweh your God. You shall therefore obey Yahweh your God's voice and do his commands and his statutes which I command you today. Moses commanded the people the same day, saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal for the curse, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. With a loud voice, the Levites shall say to all the men of Israel, Cursed is the man who makes an engraved or molten image, an abomination to Yahweh, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed is he who dishonors his father or his mother. All the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who removes his neighbor's landmark. All the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who leads the blind astray on the road. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who withholds justice from the foreigner, fatherless, and widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who lies with his father's wife, because he dishonors his father's bed. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who lies with any kind of animal. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who lies with his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter. All the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who lies with his mother-in-law. All the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who secretly kills his neighbor. All the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who takes a bribe to kill an innocent person. All the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who doesn't uphold the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. You remember in the last chapter I said that there was a turning point and that, this, what the, that the speech of Moses was one great big suzerainty treaty, like a treaty between a leader and his people, and that we were now coming to the point of the agreement where the people would respond and agree. 
Well, that's what we've got in this chapter. We've got, you know, Moses telling the people, you're going to set up an altar on this mountain. Six of the tribes are going to go up this mountain and six are going to go up a mountain next to it. That's Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. The Levites, sorry, the Levites on Mount Gerizim are going to say out these things, you know, cursed is anyone who doesn't do this. And all the people are going to say, amen. So there was this process now of agreeing with this treaty that's being made with their new leader, which is God. And uh, so the whole thing is now in the agreement stage. They're agreeing to the terms. And just like in ancient cultures, people would agree with a king, but except now this king is their God. And this is what the Lord our God asks of us. He asks us to follow him with our whole heart and mind. Now we don't make a formal written agreement, but we agree with our heart and we say, Lord, I do want to follow you. And um, the thing is, that um, when we do, we come into great blessing. And that's what we're going to discover in the next chapter, the blessings and the curses. But when we turn our back on God, it's not that God hates us and he wants to curse us. It's just that the very process of separating yourself from God does separate yourself from every blessing and all life. Everything good comes from God. The Bible says that he is the father of lights and every blessing comes from him. So when someone separates themselves from God, they're naturally cursed. You can't get any good thing in life unless you're connected to the Lord. So separating yourself from the Lord and trying to walk on your own is just a dumb thing to do. So even though in the treaty it sounds like God's going to get angry with people if they don't follow him and curse them, the truth is the curse just happens when you separate yourself from God. God doesn't have to do anything to you on purpose, even though in times sometimes he does bring justice because his wisdom decrees it. But it's just the consequences of turning your back on the Lord. And in the middle of that chapter, we read what Moses had to say. He said, now you are God's people. And that's what happens. When we say yes to God, that we want to follow him, we become his people. So this chapter, uh, Deuteronomy 27, is very interesting because it talks about Mount Ebal. And um, I'm going to point out a few things about this chapter. First of all, Moses changes his language and starts talking about himself in the third person. So this whole book of Deuteronomy, it's all been Moses talking in the first person, like, I did this, and you did this, and it's all been, it's all been a speech. But now, it's back to kind of like earlier in the, the, the five books of Moses, where Moses is like telling a story. And he said, you know, he's now talking himself in the third person. So it's now gone back to a narrative. Um, I'm not sure whether he's still making the speech or now whether the speech is finished and now whether he's just narrating about what's going to happen. I'm not completely sure. But um, it, there's definitely been a turning point at the end of Deuteronomy chapter 26. Now, Moses says to them, he says, when you come into the land the Lord is giving you, you've got to climb this Mount Ebal and build an altar to the Lord. It's got to be built with no iron tools. It's got to be built with stones and coated with plaster. Now, that was 1440 BC. It's now 2021. So that was 3,461 years ago. And that is the altar. <laughs> At least that's what it looks like today. I don't know if you can see that clearly or not. If you can't see that, just go to Google Images and type in Mount Ebal. And it's amazing that that is still there today. And obviously the plaster is not still there, like they coated it with plaster, but 
I guess over the thousands of years with all the weathering, the plaster has worn off. And it even happens in our houses. We build houses out of plaster and they start to crack and break down even after just a few months. But definitely, I guess after thousands of years, there's gonna be no plaster left. It's all gonna be washed away and soak into the ground. It's amazing that you climb Mount Ebal and there it is. The altar is still there. And um, I, I'd like to go, but apparently you can't go and see it. Apparently the Israeli government has got the mountain sealed off. It's a military installation of some type, but there were like communication towers up there. You can't go up there. But what I did was I flew over on Google Earth <laughs> and took a look. And you can see it on Google Earth. It's right there. It'd be an interesting exercise for you to do. Another thing that's interesting is that in this chapter, six of the tribes had to climb Mount Gerizim and Mount, the other six had to climb Mount Ebal and had to shout these things at each other. And it's interesting because these two mountains are really quite close together. They're at the base, they're only about four to 500 yards apart and they're quite substantial mountains. I think Mount Gerizim is about 3,000 feet and Mount Ebal is about two and a half thousand feet. So they're quite substantial mountains. Um, they're bigger than Mount Archer right here in Rockhampton. So you can imagine um, two mountains bigger than Mount Archer, really close together. You can climb these mountains and you can see, you know, like eight or 900 meters across the other group right there. And you could definitely shout and yell at each other. It's a really unique geographical situation. And I hopped on Google Earth and flew and just looked at that from the air too. And I was quite amazed at this little setup right there. And in between the two is the modern city of Nablus. You may have heard of that in, uh, you know, in the news and stuff. You sometimes hear about things from Israel. Well, Nablus is a town in the news sometimes. So we've got this Mount Gerizim, which is called the Mountain of Blessing. And six of the tribes went up there. And Mount Ebal, the mountain of curses, and six of the tribes went up there, and then they had to talk to each other from the mountains. Now, the six tribes that went up Mount Ebal happened to be, because I was wondering, was there any significance to which tribes went up the Blessing Mountain and which tribes went up the Cursing Mountain? And I looked at it. The six tribes that went up the Blessing Mountain, all of them were born to Jacob's wives. The six tribes that went up the Mount of Cursing were all the children born to Jacob's servants, but two of them were Jacob's wives' sons, the oldest and the youngest. So the oldest is Reuben, the firstborn was Reuben, the lastborn was Benjamin. Well, those two, plus the four children of the servants, they've gone all up the cursing mountain, and the other six children born of Jacob's wives have all gone up the blessing mountain, which was Joseph and the other five sons of Leah. So I was thinking, does this mean anything? <laughs> well, you know what? I have no idea if it means something. And I did read a few commentaries. No one knows if it means something either. But it is interesting that there's a pattern there. And maybe you can do some reading and thinking. Maybe there's something to it. But, you know, the question that comes to my mind is, are six of the tribes blessed and six of the tribes cursed? Is that a thing? And I will have to say to you that I'm pretty clear, pretty clear in my mind that that's not the case because this whole thing is about blessings that will come to people who obey the Lord's commands and curses will come to the people who disobey. The Lord isn't choosing six tribes to curse and six tribes to bless and not giving them a choice. This whole book of Deuteronomy is coming down to make this big point, and we're gonna especially see it in the next chapter, that they're being offered a choice of blessing and cursing, and it's really up to them and how they will follow the Lord. 
So I do not think the Lord has chosen six tribes for blessing and six tribes for cursing. And I think one of the proofs of it is that the tribe of Benjamin that went up the mountain of cursing was one of the most blessed tribes. <laughs> they ended up being one of the two tribes, along with Judah, that stayed in. That Jerusalem was in the was in the area of Benjamin. It was the the area that had that remained more faithful to the Lord than ten of the other tribes. You'd have to say that Benjamin was one of God's more highly favored tribes. And Saul, you know, who became Paul, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. So I I'm, I don't think that theory is is correct. But as to why certain ones were picked for one mountain and certain ones for the other, I'm, I'm not really sure. The other thing that's interesting about these mountains is Mount, Mount Gerizim is the mountain that's mentioned in the Gospel of John chapter 4. And you know Jesus is talking in John 4 with a woman from Samaria, a woman at the well. And um, she says to him, she doesn't know that he's the Messiah. She says to him, you know, you Jews, <laughs> you say that we must worship on in Jerusalem on that mountain. But, you know, we, we worship on this mountain. Well, this mountain happened to be Mount Gerizim. So the Samaritans, now they were the followers of God from the ten tribes. And the Jews, you know, they were the followers of God from the two tribes. The Samaritans really only had the law, the first five books of Moses. They didn't worship in Jerusalem. So the mountain that they worshipped in was Mount Gerizim, the mountain of blessing. That's where they felt was the place. And you'll notice all the way through the book of Deuteronomy that Moses kept saying, when you come to you know, the land, you must go to the place and offer your sacrifices to the Lord. And it never said what the place was. Well, these Samaritans, they picked for that place for themselves Mount Gerizim. So when you're reading John 4, that'll make a whole lot more sense in the future. So the chapter ends with these curses. You know, cursed is he who kills his neighbor. And all the people said, amen. And there's all these series of curses. The very last one is, cursed is he who does not keep the, the words of this law. Now that there is, is, is the worst of all the curses because it's the one that basically says you have to keep everything or you're under a curse. Now, Paul in the New Testament, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, he says, he quotes from this. He says that if any, you know, he basically in the book of Galatians, there was a group of people that had become Christians. They were Gentiles. They weren't Jewish at all. And they wanted to follow the Lord. But after that, some, gen, some Jews had come along and said to them, you can't be real Christians unless you get circumcised. So they decided, all right, to be circumcised, we've got to be circumcised. But Paul comes along in his letter and says, if you start following the law, you've got to follow all the law and follow it perfectly. And then he quotes here and he says, remember, cursed is anyone who does not follow the whole law. And you know, it's true. If you want to be saved by following God's law, you've got to keep it all perfectly or this verse comes into apply. You're under a curse if you don't keep it all perfectly. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he went to the cross. He was hung on a tree. He was cursed for us. And if we place ourselves in Christ, we keep the law perfectly in him. And now the law is written on our hearts and our job is to love the Lord and love those around us and to be led by the Holy Spirit. And if we do that, we perfectly keep the law. So it's really your choice. You can try to keep the whole Old Testament perfectly with all of its laws, or you can just let the law be written on your heart, love the Lord, love your neighbor, be led of the Spirit, and you'll find that you are pleasing to the Lord. So it's amazing to me how often these verses crop up in 
the New Testament. And it's, it's very, very wonderful to see how Paul interpreted that verse. Father in heaven, give us grace to walk in the ways of Christ. Let the law of the Lord be written upon our hearts. Let our love for Christ become strong. Let our love for our neighbours become strong. Let us be led of the Spirit. I ask all your graces be given to us in Jesus' name. Amen.